Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jason Keith. He is the founder and CEO of the Social Fresh Conference. He's a well-known speaker and publisher of socialfresh.com. And we're going to talk about a little bit of research that he and his group did uh, about the future of social media. So Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to be on your show for the first time. So it's interesting. I, I wrote a post actually just this week about um, what, where I saw the evolution of, of social media. And uh, I got thinking about it. And I said, you know, it's it's um, it's a little more than a decade old, really, I think, in mainstream. And uh, you've been there for the whole journey, haven't you? Yeah. You know, I, I was uh, pitching clients on social media uh, 10 years ago. And um, that's really what drove me to create the conference, uh, which we're now in our eighth year of the conference. Um, so I've been there for the whole journey. It's very interesting to see where things have gone and uh, finally did some original research on the topic, uh, which was pretty exciting to dive into. Yeah, and I, I want to get into um, various elements of that, but I wonder if you could sort of set the table by saying, gosh, I don't know if this is easy to do in one question or if this is more like five-part question. But um, <laughs> you know, how has social media evolved if it has, or maybe it's just our relationship with it has evolved. But I mean, how has it really evolved in your mind uh, the most over the last, say, five, six years? Yeah, I think that is a five-part question. So uh, <laughs> it is a uh, You know, I, I've had this question in the past a lot, and I think it's really important to look at because, I mean, social media, when I started, um, when I was at a few small agencies in the Southeast pitching folks on social media, it was basically YouTube. Um, Facebook and blogging uh, mm-hmm. were pretty much all of it. In MySpace, a little bit, although I, I never, I don't think marketing really ever saw anything that was positive on MySpace. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, back then it was build an audience, um, engage with people in comments, and you know, try to get traction on blogging for the few people you could convince to launch a blog for a business. Um, and today, it's it's so much more robust. Uh, the advertising piece of social media is so important. You know, Facebook's made it important by making it really a pay to play system, and all the other social networks are really trending towards pay to play. I think the another big change today is video content, uh, which is becoming a major piece for a lot of businesses. And and if you're not looking at video as as a content opportunity, you really should be for a lot of reasons. Even if you're a small business, um, and I think. You know, when we look at messaging today, um, it's it's a trend where social messaging is now bigger than social networking. There's more people interacting on Facebook Messenger and Snapchat and mm. all these other options, uh, WhatsApp, etc., than there are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, kind of the public facing uh, versions of these apps. Um, and I think that's a I think that's a reflection of the larger trend of interaction of smaller audiences and the value of that whether it's a Facebook group or whether it's a Snapchat thread, etc. People are starting to or have continued to really value those more uh, intimate conversations and opportunities. So, so let's get into you um, uh, co-authored, I think, a, a um, research report, the future of social media. Um, and so, I want to dig into a couple uh, elements of that specifically. Yeah. But, but you might want to set it up. Um, who was involved? What was the sure. methodology? Yeah, our research partners. Uh, it's our report, Social Fresh Report. I, I really wanted to do this uh, for the last year, and we found the right partners. We worked with our agency partner, Firebrand Group, which is really great out of New York, and uh, our software partner was uh, Simply Measured, which I love uh, as a software solution for folks out of Seattle. Um, and really, we just wanted to 
get social marketers, people that are focused on social media marketing, um, focused on the U.S., focused on decision makers, focused on brand side, um, and ask them a lot of questions about resources. Um, you know, there's a lot of research out there. There's a lot of surveys. I wanted to know more about resources. So, how are social marketers spending their time? Uh, where are they directing their personnel? And how are they spending their budget? So that's where we focused, and we asked a lot of questions around that today and kind of moving forward next year. It's interesting. Um, one of the first things that jumped out to me, um, because I agree with you, I think that, that the days of, hey, let's have huge followings and blast all kinds of content out to them and, um, and, and use it as a broadcast channel you know, have kind of gone away, and people really are finding that, hey, the real money's in small groups, Facebook groups, you know, engaging one-on-one in, in Messenger. Yet, in contrast to that a little bit, um, one of the first pieces, uh, one of the first questions talked about the, you know, how people actually use social media and and still a significant, I want to say, I think I rounded this up, maybe 76-ish percent for awareness. Yeah, yeah. So I found that really interesting as well. I think that was one of our first findings that we really wanted to get experts uh, to comment on. And it was 76%. Um, people, we allowed people to select up to two of their main goals for social media as a business. And, and awareness was up there uh, as by far uh, you know, three-quarters of, of folks selecting that. And I think that's definitely a mistake. Uh, not a mistake in the data, but a mistake <laughs> in the right. motives of businesses. Because Social media can provide a great opportunity to build awareness. It's expensive, and if you have the budget and you're a big business, uh, you're a new business, uh, there's definitely opportunities for that. But it's it's not the lowest hanging fruit. It's not the most efficient use of your time. And most businesses, that should probably not be one of their top two goals. In fact, when we looked, when we dissected the audience more and looked at, um, based on their goals, who was succeeding the most, who was getting the most ROI of social, uh, the folks who are getting the best ROI are people that are focused on uh, customer loyalty, sales, and lead generation. And I think that kind of tells you a lot about, you know, I, I, you know, we come across this problem in social media, and, and I'd love to maybe hear if you agree, with, but uh, there's a lot of vanity metrics. There's a lot of really public metrics that are easy to report on that your boss is going to ask you about how many followers, how many retweets, how many comments, reshares, whatever. Um, and you kind of have to report on those. And I think because of that, that's where the awareness, you know, what was our reach? What was our, what were our retweets? Um, and that, is is a kind of a side effect of all those public metrics, I think. Yeah, and I th- I think it goes to the point that that actually, as you stated, that you know social media now fits in the entire customer journey, but there are elements of you know my customer journey stages or no like trust try buy repeat and refer. There are elements of that repeat and refer in particular that I think are sometimes hard to track back to social media activity, yeah. yet I know that some in some data that I've seen that people talk about the, the most likely um, sources of referrals are leads that are actually converted from social media. Yeah, and I think if you have an engaged customer or potential customer in social media, um, I think that's a huge loyalty opportunity. Yeah. Uh, we're spending more time on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else um, and if you are lucky enough to be a part of a person's social network that they check daily, they check weekly, whatever they do, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on mobile on these things, um, then it's a great opportunity to touch base. I think video is another piece of that. If you're lucky enough to um, have a video interaction with a customer or if they are listening to your podcast on a regular basis, these are loyalty builders. Um, even if they're not a customer, they could be someone that's just in your kind of uh, – um, kind of a, a trust circle around your brand, whether they're a fan or they're 
uh, they're in your um, pipeline as a, as a part of building your product, whether they're just someone that's uh, familiar with your company, these people are loyalty opportunities, word of mouth opportunities, referral opportunities. And I think it's for a lot of businesses, I think that's really important. And that's a pretty small audience usually. For a long time, uh, people bemoaned the fact that they couldn't really tell if there was any ROI in social media. And I thought it was interesting that 63% of the respondents felt that there were, they, they, they had measurable return on investment through social media activity. And I think that number has changed significantly, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean that number five years ago would have been you know ten twenty percent I think right. I think uh, and and still today um, a lot of the people that answered not sure or no to that question which roughly thirty six percent I think even they would have I mean they're investing in social media so they see a benefit from it they just can't necessarily say we can measure positive ROI when we talk to those people a lot of it was a technological barrier um, or their goal is awareness and they they can't really build a return value on awareness um, or they don't. Uh, so I think for me that number was definitely high, 63%. I think that's really good. Now this is people defining ROI on their own. We're not mm-hmm. telling them how to define it, which you could argue is you know is another discussion. Yeah. Um, but I mean I trust marketers typically when they tell me even if they're measuring it in their own head as a gut instinct or anecdotally, um, if they think if they know to them that they're getting a positive return, I think that's an important question to ask. And I think that's much higher than it has been in the past. Um, I, I thought a very interesting subset sort of, of that question was, uh, and it really went to the fact that so, in some cases they're admitting they don't know how to measure um, the, the, the return. And I thought it was very interesting that uh, you noted that people who use social software were much more sure about what, what the return on investment yes. was. Yeah, and you know, it's it's something. If if I just asked you, you would probably guess that, anyways, that yeah. people using social software are better at social media marketing. Because uh, if you're only using just natively Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to improve your process and results. Uh, but the that was the biggest correlation we saw in all the data by far. Um, and basically, 19 out of 20 people that use social software saw our positive ROI. Um, and it was more of a coin flip, 50-50, for people that aren't using social software. So I think that tells you a lot. I think it's people that aren't using social software are um, – it's probably not a majority of their job to do social media. They're probably new to it. They're new to a role or it's new to the company as an investment. Um, so I think you know, even if we looked at the specific software we were using, if it was more of an introductory software like a Hootsuite versus – maybe a sprinkler or sprout social, we saw better ROI with the kind of higher end software as well. Not as big of a correlation, but still a correlation. So uh, I think that's interesting to see when you put resources, when you put budget behind social media, you are seeing almost you know, 95, 96% are seeing a positive ROI, which I thought was really cool to see. So staying on the ROI uh, track for a moment, um, uh, not hugely surprising to me, but uh, the way that uh, people interpreted uh, the effectiveness of various platforms. You know, Facebook, in terms of ROI, right now is the the sort of the the golden platform, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Facebook was the number one answer to pretty much every question we asked, uh, which you could guess it. You know, it is the internet in a lot of ways today, right? Uh, their saturation is just uh, tremendous. Um, but people are. It was good to see that they're not only there, but they're seeing a huge return. Ninety six percent of people. Um, said that Facebook provided the best ROI, one of their top uh, returns for all social networks, and then followed by Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, which I think people would probably expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just shows you Facebook is not only just the dominant platform, but they're the dominant performance opportunity when it comes to most businesses and social media. Well, the, they clearly have the um, 
the ad opportunity. I mean, they, in, in some ways, um, you know, they, they set everybody up by getting them to build huge, huge audiences and getting used to that engagement on Facebook. And then said, now we're going to take it away and you have to pay for it. Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> I think that's clearly what happened. Yes. Um, I think their ad platform, they've given care to it. They've listened to advertisers. They've yep. really made an ad platform that's the best out there, even compared to Google in a lot of ways. Um, well, from a return on investment, I, I would suggest hugely better. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of companies that should still be advertising on Google for a lot of reasons. But sure. when it comes to the, you know, a DIY platform that any business can pick up and get a return on, I think Facebook just has uh, is head and shoulders above everyone else out there. And, of course, Instagram as well. Now that they're on the same platform. So, social media marketing world uh, this year, you know, the 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 shiny object was for marketers was Snapchat, and um, uh, there was I don't know if you were there this year, but there was a a, a panel and uh, uh, Gary V was interviewed and asked, you know, because he had talked about Snapchat, you know, on and on and on in his keynote and and asked point blank, you know, have you seen any business to business return on investment on Snapchat? And he point blank said no, zero. Can't figure yeah. out how to make any money on it at all, but I'm going there anyway because it everybody's talking about it right now, and so now the the brands that are the cool kids on Snapchat are getting talked about, but nobody's figured out how to make any money on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's important for Gary to be on Snapchat. I think it's important for uh, media brands to be on Snapchat, and if you're a marketer, it's important for you to know about it, to experiment with it, to kind of understand why it's successful, why millennials are there, why even senior citizens are getting on uh, on Snapchat. I mean, there, there's a, why the engagement is so high there. Like, you need to understand it as a marketer. For most businesses, I'm not going to tell you to get on Snapchat and invest in it as a platform. You can't measure it. Uh, the audience is very unique to a younger generation right now. The type of content is a heavy spend for most people. To do Snapchat on a regular basis takes uh, uh, quite a bit of work, a learning curve. Um but it is important. He's right. I mean, I, I talked to Mitch Joel uh, recently about you know you know where social networks are going to evolve. It looks like Twitter's declining, mm-hmm. Instagram surging. I could see Snapchat becoming uh, in the next couple years the third most uh, significant social network for businesses uh, because of the engagement factor on there. But today, it's hard to it's hard to suggest that someone should spend money on Snapchat compared to Instagram, compared to LinkedIn, compared to Facebook. Um, unless they have an audience that's very specific to millennials, unless they're a media brand um, that kind of has the team to produce a ton of content, yeah. um, it's it's a hard uh, it's a hard ask for a lot of businesses. You did a lot of research or a lot of a number of questions around what the team needs to look like and and what resources people put from a team standpoint. And um, one of the things I thought was interesting is five years ago the role to you know, to hire was a community manager. And it almost feels like that's sort of outdated now. Well, and I think most companies that are invested in social media have hired that, right? Um, and I think that's always going to be a key role. But you kind of, most companies kind of only need one community manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're an enterprise company, that's different. If you um, have huge uh, customer service uh, role when it comes to social engagement, that's different. But for most companies, they just need the one person to manage, you know, two or three social networks. Um, but when it comes to creating content, uh, more companies plan to hire a content-specific role than a social media manager slash community manager role in the next year. Uh, so I think when you scale content, you do need more people. Uh, you do need people that can write, that can create video, that um, 
understand how content and the strategy of content works. So if you're going to scale something, you're going to scale content before you're going to scale community response, engagement response, uh, usually for the average company. So um, on the team aspect again, uh, I, I guess I didn't find this shocking at all, but I wonder if you think this is um, a little bit skewed. That uh, in terms of allocation of time spent, uh, only fourteen percent on promotion. Does that strike you as low? Uh, I think it's low. If I were to talk to a company about where they should be spending their time, right. uh, optimally, uh, but I, I, it doesn't surprise me as that's where people are spending their time. I think. Um, still today, most people spend most of their time creating content, responding uh, to customers, responding to people in social media, and then an afterthought is promoting that social media. I mean, there's companies that are getting it right. Obviously, I think they're outliers. Um, mm-hmm. And al- also, you know, some of that's outsourced. You know, a lot of the advertising advertising was the most likely thing to be outsourced that we that we came across. Um, so I think the promotion is is both strategically uh, just not thought about enough ahead of time and not planned for enough. Um, I think more people should be focusing more time on less pieces of content and promoting those con- pieces of content repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't happen as, as much as it should, I don't think. So on the advertising uh, element, uh, while that is the piece that people do outsource, I was really surprised that there was one at least slide that um, implied 78% of people do their social advertising in-house. I found that to be really high. Yeah, I mean, when we when we look across the board, most brands are doing most of their social media in house. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, but, that, but and, and that I get, but but the advertising piece uh, was the part that I thought would actually be um, that they that many would be outsourcing to say an agency um, that they, a relationship that they already had. Yeah, no, I um, I think one of the things we found is that the average business is low on resources when yeah. it comes to social media, and because of that, they don't have an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, do not have budget to outsource things, and they're doing everything in-house when they can. I mean, I think the trend line is definitely more money, more resources flowing into social media. Uh, but for you know the average company that you're talking to, um, you know, not everybody has the opportunity that Fortune 500 or even a large you know, size company has to have an agency. Um, well, but having said that, then do you find, um, and this maybe wasn't in the research, but in your experience, is social advertising being done outside of of marketing's advertising? Um, outside of the kind of department of marketing, yeah, department, different people, different budget, yeah. not really looked um, at as part of the whole. Sometimes, yeah, I think where social advertising sits is quite. There's a lot of variance there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's it's with search teams um, that are running the Google spend already. Um, sometimes it's with the uh, the media agency that's doing the media buying. Uh, you're seeing you're seeing a lot of people trying to grab those budgets, and I think because of that, every company is different, every agency is different, every um, um, budget planning is different, and you see companies shifting it. I've seen companies shift it from the media buying team to the social media team to to the digital agency. You know, um, so I think it's it's different, and I think you also have to follow who's doing best for your advertising. There's companies that specialize in social advertising, companies specialize in uh, Facebook advertising, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and these things shift so much. I mean, what works on Facebook advertising shifts every month or two or three, yeah. um, so if the people that are running your social advertising are not performing for you, you kind of shift it to people that are staying up to date on it. I thought there were some interesting nuggets in terms of how people interpreted what 
advertising platforms, social advertising platforms were working for them. Um, and probably the, the, the one that was the most surprising to me was how um, significant the ROI was pegged to LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know a few of the little things that I liked about what we found in, in the Future Social Report was that we found a few niche opportunities that are succeeding for people. And I think that shows you kind of the fragmentation of social media. Uh, LinkedIn is still a great option for a certain segment of businesses. You know, it's, it's usually B2B, uh, SaaS companies, software companies in general, uh, with, with, especially with high uh, ticket items, uh, are going to succeed on LinkedIn better. They have the type of targeting they can, uh, they can, uh, that they want on LinkedIn. They can target job titles. They can target CIOs, things like that. Um, and I think that's really successful for them. But it's expensive to succeed on LinkedIn. The advertising on LinkedIn is more expensive, much yeah. more expensive. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, it's only a, a small audience that can succeed there. Uh, but they have consistently seen results. And LinkedIn has continued to invest in that audience. And I think uh, because of that, we're c- going to continue to see you know, maybe 10 to 15% of businesses uh, get great performance out of LinkedIn. And you also have SlideShare there as an option, which I think is oh, is. Right. Is a is a subset of that, but still the same kind of story. Yeah, good point. So uh, let's talk about uh, forms of content. Um, and uh, again, not shocking here, but I was a little surprised at how much uh, people were pointing towards ROI of images. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, when you think when you think about Facebook ads especially its images, right? When you think about uh, how many companies are focusing more on maybe like a Snapchat and Instagram, a uh, Pinterest, it's all images. Um, so, I, so I get that images are succeeding for people. When you look at even Twitter, um, images succeed more than you know, a lot of other things, whether it's a GIF or whether it's a video, it's mm-hmm. all visual. Right? Mm-hmm. So the move to visual I get, especially when you're doing social advertising, right. you need visuals. And I think that's when, – when you talk to people about return – uh, I think they're leaning mentally towards the advertising part of things because that's yeah. what they track most. That's where they see the easiest correlation in things. Well, and I think a question that probably goes with that was um, that's actually the easiest form of content to create by yeah. far. <laughs> and I think yeah. there might be some correlation between those two um, elements that they see partly see return because you know, blog posts and videos you know, are hard. Um, yeah. in, in some cases. And um, here's my question, I wonder, um, and, and I don't think your research went into this, but uh, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, if if there's a bias towards that and I'm going to do that, am I suffering or am I, am I sort of giving away the asset value, say, of long-form blog content and the shelf life? Uh, because I don't think the shelf life of an image is, is probably very long. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're right. You know, it's the I part of ROI rather than the R. You know, the time commitment, what is the investment in that? And when, just as a aside here, when I talk to people about video, you know, one of the things I think it's important to measure for video is how much time it takes you to do it. Because if it takes you 100 hours for every video you create and it only gives you a 10% better return, then, you know, there's, there's an equation problem there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think every business is, is different, you know. Blog posts perform for a lot of businesses, but a lot of people feel comfortable investing in a blog for their business because it's a big time sink and it mm-hmm. takes to ramp up a blog. Yeah. Uh, white papers 
or see success webinars, contests, infographics, all these things see, see success, but they're time sinks. Uh, same for video. I think video is more acceptable. You have a lot of big companies with budgets committed to TV commercials, and we and there's a little bit more trust in video. I think, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's. I think when you get into these questions about uh, should I be investing in this specific type of content because we don't know if it will work for us, I think it's very different for all companies. You know what B two B does versus B two C is very different. You know white papers and blog posts and webinars and things like that are very much a B two B play for the most part. Whether that's um, good advice or bad, you know that's typically who invests in those uh, opportunities. Um, so I think if you start to break it down by the type of company and what they're used to and where they've seen results in the past, you get you get a much more complete story. Has uh, you you spend um, a chapter, so to speak, in this research on uh, influencer uh, marketing, and um, it occurs to me as somebody who's been involved in that, and, and in some cases seen as an influencer and courted as an influencer, that yeah. that, that that has um, that has matured significantly. Uh, the the days yeah. of you know let me let's just go find somebody who's got an audience and see if they'll put their name on our stuff um, has uh, I think that's kind of waned, hasn't it? I think there is still a piece of that going on. I think that's kind of the default, right? Um, right. Hey, we get awareness for this new product, uh, launch, rebrand, whatever it is. Who's somebody that we can pay some money to that'll talk about it for us? Let's get Ashton Kutcher or Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's, there's this default in, in the lazy marketer to go to that. Right. Um, but I think if you are able to sustain a commitment to influencer marketing, if you're uh, long-term with, with it in your thinking, uh, you're going to look for people that are more aligned with the brand, that are already talking about things that are relevant to your brand, already talking about your brand, hopefully. Or um, maybe have a much more engaged audience than a Kardashian. Very, yeah, yeah <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I see uh, people that are investing uh, heavily into influencer marketing, brands that are investing in heavily into it. I see much more vetting. Yeah. I see much more focus on engagement versus reach. Um, I see much more engagement on quality of content and kind of quality of engagement. So I think it's definitely matured. I, I still think it's a small subset. It, you know, most people are not doing influencer marketing. Um, it's hard to do. It's also very likely. It's also very likely to be outsourced. And I think if you're scaling it, it has to be outsourced because it's there's a lot of uh, tasks and skills mm-hmm. that are associated with influencer marketing that most people have not done before, and yeah. just it takes a lot of work. Jason, where can people find uh, the future of social media marketing? If I guess, hopefully yeah. I got that right. <laughs> yeah, if you go to socialfresh.com slash future, uh, you can download the free version of the report. We also have a paywalled version. It's more in-depth. Um, and you can, if you have any questions about it, feel free to tweet me at Jason Keith, K-E-A-T-H. It, uh, it really is, um, I, I think, an interesting read, a pretty quick read, and, and probably something that anybody that is in uh, the business of marketing should at least familiar, familiarize themselves with. Um, tell, tell us a little bit uh, um, about the Social Fresh Conference. This, uh, depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, it is yeah. coming up, and uh, so, so give us a little rundown on it. I'd love to. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for the kind words about the report. I really appreciate that. Uh, I hope people get value out of it. That's how we, why we did it. Um, our conference is in Orlando this year, uh, the annual Social Fresh Conference. This will be our 18th conference. Mm. Uh, we've been doing this our eighth year in building it. We've done a few per year sometimes, but we're doing it annual now. And uh, it'll be uh, three to four days, uh, depending on your ticket, of social marketing and what's next for the industry. We always talk about the fundamentals of the industry. Um, and this year we're of course going to be talking about the future of the industry as well, talking about Snapchat and live streaming and 
and everything that you could think of that's attached to social media. We've got some great speakers like uh, Mitch Joel and Peter Shankman and Twitter will be there. Weather Channel will be there. The Red Cross will be there. We have a great lineup of speakers. So if you're interested, you have questions about it, check out socialfreshconference.com. We'll be down in Orlando in August, August 18th to 21st. Should be a lot of well, thanks uh, for uh, stopping by, Jason, and sharing this information. I'm talking with Jason Keith, the founder and CEO of the Social Fresh Conference, and we are talking about the future of social media marketing. So thanks, Jason. Maybe we'll see you out there uh, on the road somewhere. Thank you so much, John. It's been a pleasure. 